Hey, good people. It's your girl, Vera Smith-Winfrey, back with another episode of the No Good People podcast, celebrating good people and good conversations, and no topic is ever off limits. Today's guest is my friend and colleague, Rebe De La Paz. Rebe is CEO and founder of RDP Associates, LLC, a boutique independent sales force consulting firm located within the South Chicagoland area. She's a co-founder of a nonprofit called Pep Up Tech, a keynote speaker on diversity in tech, and a well-known instructor mentor within the Salesforce ecosystem. A mother and trained writer are just some of her many titles when she is not involved in her extracurricular activities with other Salesforceians. Join me in welcoming my guest, Rebe De La Paz. Hey, Rebe, and thanks for being part of the No Good People podcast family. Of course. You know, once I found out you had your podcast, I was like, I'm coming on. Yes. And, and I must make note that Rebe was very instrumental and very encouraging and supportive of me kicking off this podcast. So all kudos and praises to her, because if it weren't for her saying, you definitely can do this, I would not have hit record. So thank you. Thank you so much for believing in me and for being an inspiration um, oh, for yeah, this podcast definitely blessings that's what it is you know we gotta we gotta put out the good vibes in order to receive them right absolutely just a server <laughs> absolutely well I do thank you so very much so we have not spoken in over a year um, Rebe was my guest uh, for a chamber activity or a chamber webinar that we did for women in business um, in the summer of 2020. And so it's been a year since we spoke. And so Rebe, what's been going on? I have some other questions to ask you, but what's been going on in the year since we've last spoken? Uh, business for me as a small business owner, you know, 2020 was my freshman year. So now I'm a sophomore, you know, I know a little bit more, still learning things and just navigating. Right. And at the same time, for me, business is about doing it my way after having worked behind the scenes for over 20 years as people's secretaries, that's what we called them back in the days, secretaries. That's what I was on the telephone or support staff or administrative clerk or data entry, like all those jobs. And I was observing and studying in different industries. And, you know, once I got into tech, tech became that opportunity to take things to the next level. Tech was sort of like the the instrument I could use to make a difference. And instead of being a return on investment, it becomes a return on impact, Hmm. right? How can I I change the the role that business situates itself in a community? And, you know, for me, it was like, all right, let me start with what I know and who I know, and we go from there. And that's that's what I've been focusing on as well as my own um, self health and well-being, mm-hmm. right? Because when we have these dreams and visions, we put so much of ourselves into things that we still got to save a little for ourselves. What do the financial planners tell you? You're supposed to be like paying yourself, but we don't mm-hmm. pay ourselves in like self wellness, <laughs> right? And like, I, you know, uh, Saturday off, you're like, oh, I'm being lazy. But really, you just taking time for yourself that you need it. You deserve it. Like, what's the point of living life if you can't right. just enjoy it for a moment, right? So that's that's my focus is being uh, 
growing my business slowly but surely i like mm-hmm. the crawl walk run method i'm okay with crawling <laughs> and uh and just you know maintaining my sanity especially during the pandemic right yeah and, yeah yeah and, and navigating those waters so cool that's where i've been at so there was um so before salesforce there was a whole nother Rebe, a whole nother life with Rebe. So where were you born and raised? And tell us about your family and your childhood. Tell us about, you know, how you grew up. Oh, man. I It's interesting. So, like, you know, I always joke with my mom's friends that I'm going to write her story, but I can't do it while she's alive because she killed Because <laughs> <So, laughs> my mom, you know, a lot of folks don't know. Like, my mom, my story starts, you know, our story starts from our parents and who they are right and so just to give you an idea like my mom you know was born in the in the 50s high park chicago filipino family her mom her parents are immigrants right but here she is living in this area where it's predominantly changing right and Mm -hmm. it's dynamic high park in chicago it, it for me growing up it was like a bubble outside of the south side right because it's not like the rest of the south side like when you when you're in the midwest you black white and mexican i don't care mm-hmm. what nobody say they can be on puerto rican i'm like uh people in the midwest will call you mexican because they bogus like that that's just what they do like that's that heartland of america okay and that's the reality mm-hmm. right unless you go east and you see the microcosms and the cultures and the different ethnicities from all over because you have this huge melting pot. But in the Midwest, it's sort of like you get fed into the American boxes, mm-hmm. the check boxes of white, black, or Hispanic. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, but my mom's <laughs> Filipino. She don't really fit in those boxes, right? Right, right. right. So then she, you know, goes to University of Chicago and she always jokes that her class uh they stuck her with all the black folks because they were in a special program she got in through the affirmative action program Mm -hmm. in 1970 the largest um class of color that ever attended university of chicago till this day right to this day yes till this day it was 1970 was the largest incoming group yes and and it still has not you know superseded that right? So it is crazy, right? Because you think about it, we're in 2021. The reason why I know this is because the class that my mom went in with, they were in a special summer program. So they, because they were like, oh, this program is going to help them be better Mm -hmm, students. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they all, they still meet 40 something years later, this group of many of them still meet every year. And so I get to be a part of that growing up and as an adult and seeing that and their stories play a part in building who I am, right? Listening, meeting people who are federal judges, mm-hmm. Peabody winners, Emmy award winners, mm-hmm. professors, journalists, you know, and they're all black. Wow. Yeah. So that, this is my tribe, yes. right? And yes. my mom, she, you know, affiliates herself with that. But the interesting people don't know is like my mom, when she got pregnant with me, because my father's black and he's from the South Side, former Chicago Police Department, he was CPD in the 60s. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's a number on somebody's mental capacity. Yes. And so here's my mom and dad, they meet 
they have me and my grandmother disowns my mom for three years. Three whole years. Three whole years. And the one thing I say to people now is like, you know, it's the it's the strength of the community and the network. I learned networking from my mama mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> because she found her tribe in the neighbors from Inglewood. Like our block is the hood. That's where we grew up, 72nd and Racine, Chicago. Anyone say that they'd be like, ooh, you live over there. But to me, that was home, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, that empty, mm-hmm. that empty parking lot on the corner where there was these crashed up cars we used to call our playground. That was our home. And the people who lived on our block were part of our extended family. Mm-hmm. You knew them by name. You walked by, you don't say something to Miss Pooh or Miss Cora or whoever. They're going to tell your mama, she's going to give you a whipping because you ain't say hi to her because that was disrespect. Right? <laughs> you know, even if the dude on the corner saw weed, his grandmama live across the street. It's all good, right? Because okay, yep, <laughs> he's yep. never going to disrespect his grandmama and bring no nonsense to the block, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. this. That's and my mama found her family that and even after we moved from there and she moved us to the south suburbs, right? To go find something better, we still, was still family. Back. We would still go back and visit them every mm-hmm. year, all the time. Every time you're in the city, you gotta go by and go say hi. So every neighborhood we lived in, my mom built this network of extended family. And then even when I love she it. Was in college, she built this extended network, or the people who babysat me. Like I grew up, my babysitters was you know, from down South, my godmother's family is a historically known gospel family from the city of Chicago. Like I grew up listening to them. They family's my family. Right. You know, so right, right, right. Yes. Yes. That's, that's, I'm grounded in like black culture in Chicago, the arts of black culture in Chicago. My uh, mom put me in a special school when I was six that was uh, run by the Obasi movement right run by the pan-africanists so all the kids i went to school with their family was black um nation of islam uh sunni muslims everybody was there yeah and so this my all my first teachers were all black i learned how to read from a book published in the store that's run by the teachers who have the school and the pictures look like me and the people in my class. The names is names like ours yeah. in these books. That's what I learned to read. And so even when I get to meeting you and I'm like, Vera, you can, because when I was six, I was told the word and the phrase can't, I can't, it does not exist in your vocabulary yeah. and in mm-hmm. your world. And that means something even now, 40 years later, I still feel that it's embedded in me. Mm-hmm. So imagine mm-hmm. if you told every child at six and even younger, every day, the word and the phrase can't, does not exist. I can't, does not exist. What that would mean and what that mm-hmm. would do. So you couldn't tell me nothing. When my mom moved us to the suburbs, <laughs> <laughs> them teachers who was like trying to tell me like um they tried to tell me some bogus stuff about Africa and I was like um first of all the first uh college commit was in Africa the Greeks stole it from them they looking at me like where did this little girl come from <laughs> they didn't like that <laughs> so, and here's the thing they didn't have to they didn't have to and 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 that's the thing I was 
my mom, she always say, I raised y'all black. And I'm like, man, you raised us more. You raised us super black. Like we was involved in everything mm-hmm. in the arts. And we knew, we knew our history. Even if we didn't know like our slave history, we knew who we came from and right. who we represent. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. and where we stand and what we are capable of. And that is powerful. No matter where you walk in life, what you do, knowing that you can, no matter what people mm-hmm. tell you, Right, knowing that it's not impossible, that, but it is the fact that I am possible, right? Exactly. I, I am possible because I am here. Mm-hmm. Despite the fact that my mom, you know, made these decisions that led to me being here, you know, I am here. And then she worked, she left school and she she started, you know, because she got to support the family. She worked for the phone company. So she, I'm a bell baby. My mom had been working for the phone company. She retired from there for like 30 years telephone wow. operator so I used to how many there were you how many kids three of us okay you're the oldest I'm the oldest okay. and you know we was them kids <laughs> used to call collect because we knew and then you know you'd be trying you'd be like she gonna pick me up maybe this time I'll call mama pick me up nope she's just like hang up or you walk home <laughs> or and we get in a fight, like somebody in an argument, we dial it oh, because we know that her office serves the whole state after a certain ah, time. Right? Okay. So we okay. dial it oh, asking for her. <laughs> She's like, I'm on the board. You can't be calling me. Don't get me in trouble. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I said, man. I just want I want to write my mom's story, but I know I can't, but there's a yeah, lot I want to read them your mama's story man like you know and, that, and that's the other thing like I love my grandmother but I thought she was a dragon lady she was always making me clean and like do like you know like when you think about Asian dragon ladies like that was my grandma like mm-hmm, I was like mm-hmm. this lady just don't like me like <laughs> she always looking for something to make me do but uh yeah like there's that Filipino side so I can't deny it like I grew up in it mm-hmm, but at the mm-hmm. same time it's like my heart and my my whole life was like living yeah, in black yeah. chicago we get yeah, on the yeah, bus yeah. cottage grove and it was like you entered the high park bubble <laughs> you entered the bubble like literally yeah, the air yeah. and the atmosphere changed you like we on the campus okay it's different <laughs> so. so you're so around the age of three or four right that's when your mom's family accepted her back or welcomed her back it was an intervention. Oh my <laughs> so goodness. My godmother, my mom was having my sister. My godmama decided to be like a busybody and she take me to meet my grandmother without my mama knowing. And really? she got this whole story about how she wow. and she just like, oh, you know, the late my grandmother looking at us crazy, like, who are these people? And she's like, Your daughter's having another baby. This is your granddaughter, Rebe, blah, blah, blah. And she, my grandma was always telling me, she's like, and then your grandma slammed the door in our face. So you looked at me like, why you got me standing over here looking at this crazy lady? We started walking down the stairs and she said, she opened the door all dramatic and crying. She snatched me up all hugging me and it's all dramatic. And she was like, I'm looking at her like, why you got me around this crazy lady? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So it was because of that that extended family friend mm-hmm. intervention and then my mom when she found out she's like you did what like what happened like you you saw my mama what you mean because you know back in the days you can go to the phone book and find people like yeah man, yeah that's oh my that. gosh that's right yeah that's right <laughs> so, so what about your dad's side of the family 
So my dad's side, yeah, they, you know, they, they're a hodgepodge and it's, it's interesting. I actually uh, dated my family history back to 1860 Chicago. Okay. And actually even further to Shelbyville to the original slave and it's all matriarchal. So it's all mothers. Yeah. 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 Grandmother, her mom can never find a man. I don't know. (laughs) That's so strange, isn't it? It is right. But, uh, I was able to find that trail, just research a lot of research and uh, it was like a side hobby. And once I did, I, you know, started dwelling on a story for myself that I started writing actually. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So just, just interesting, but family is, uh, you know, my grandmother, my father's mom, she was a numbers lady for the mafia <laughs> and raised five boys. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, Southside. My father was a cop. My uncle was a cop. Their cousin was a cop. So being a black cop in like 60s Chicago, it's an interesting uh, story. Like the stories my father told me, right? About Mm -hmm. the racism. Mm -hmm. You know, how the cops, the white cops treated black cops was an interesting Mm -hmm. dynamic that you don't really you don't really hear too much about it. You always hear about how the cops treat black people, mm-hmm. but let's talk about how black how they cops treat, how they treat their, their coworkers, their partners. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They didn't, you know, especially the older ones, they they really had oh, no, absolutely. Yeah. They had no respect for them. And yet they still go to work and sign up to try and do the best they can. And at mm-hmm. the same time, they're being pushed against not only their own people. Right. But they yeah, yeah, yeah. pushed with them. So interesting. Yeah. It's a that's that's a part of like the things that make up who I am, right? Mm-hmm. And then school. You go to school and I don't know. I I I had one friend, she was like, So you one of those special smart kids? I was like, I don't know. I don't really like think of it like that. Like I just knew I I knew a little bit more or I like learning and or I got bored really easy. Okay. <laughs> so I would play with the bad kids. Because <laughs> they weren't doing nothing anyway. Yeah. So I was like, let me go right here, but I ain't going to get caught. Like, that's the difference between me and them. I'm not getting caught. So, <laughs> how, what's the age difference between you and your siblings? So, it's me and my sister's three years, my younger brother's five years. Okay. Okay. Um, Are they all still in Chicago? Yeah, they're still in the area. They live too close, but you know how that is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> But it's family, you know, and it's interesting. My mom always, she always say, you should be, you should be glad you got your brother and sister. You got someone to play with. I was like, more like me getting in trouble for the stuff they did. But okay, you run with that. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's the curse of like being an, an older, older child. That's true. Yeah. You like, I ain't even doing nothing. Why are, you, why are you coming for me? It's true because I mean, I'm the youngest. And so my siblings are always surprised. Like, how does she get to do all this stuff? Yeah. Like, how come she doesn't yes. have to eat? How come she doesn't have to eat everything that we have to eat? Yes. Oh man. And, and the sad part is I got a, a youngest one. <laughs> <laughs> sad. My sister sad. and I just talked about that story. She thought that um, I guess we went someplace while she was in grad school and um, me, my, my parents and I went down to see her and someone invited us over to like one of her church members invited us over to their house for Sunday dinner. She had this big spread and 
I was, I just kept saying, no, thank you. No, thank you. You know, to whatever was out there. And I just kind of picked the stuff that I want. And my sister thought she was like, oh, um, she's going to get it now. Cause my parents are going to like, really like, let her have it for saying, no, thank you. I don't want this or I don't eat this. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then she said, my mother just was like, well, that's okay. She doesn't have to eat it. She doesn't want it. <laughs> and she was like, what happened to the spanking what happened to you know being in trouble what happened to the whole talking to her let me pull you outside for a second she reliving every moment that happened to her I tell you because I go through it myself I remember reliving every moment my mom would torture me on some nonsense and I'm watching the younger two I'm looking like we don't have 50 incidents of this with me where I got trouble I was like it it's true it's true it so oh, you know I, I empathize with you on behalf of my sister so and we thank you for taking the weight for us we do oh my god um, but you know somebody's got to do it somebody's got to do it and so mm-hmm. it might as well be you might as well be my sister so but it's all good look at you now well, it also make you, it, 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 it builds your character, right? It helps support it. So it's like so funny because for a long time, people used to be like, don't you want to be a manager? I like, I got, I listen, I was the oldest. I don't want to be nobody's boss in charge of nobody. I don't want no responsibilities at all. <laughs> Look, it's enough for me to be my own manager myself. Yes, exactly. So I don't really feel like managing other people. Like, no, I, like, like, I, I don't have the energy. It's a lot of energy. It is. And, but at the same time, I've learned being um, an owner, right, of a mm-hmm, business mm-hmm. that it all depends on how you define it. Yeah. Right? Yes. You set right. your own definitions for that. And, and even like human resources, like the whole human resources game, like I'm, I've intentionally set out to like break it. Like, I feel like all the rules that they establish, they all need to be broken. Why? Because you do not evolve until you break the original mm. system, right? Like, how you going to move up the stairs if you still sitting there looking at the ceiling? Mm-hmm. If you, you mm. got to break that wall. Girl, say it you again. Can build some, you can build some stairs, right? right? Yeah. And that's the thing. A lot of people sit there and look at that ceiling and they think that's the end. Like, that's it. That's the top. And it's like, Nah, you know it's more than that. Your gut tells you that. That's why mm-hmm. you're searching for some sort of enjoyment or um, fulfillment in life, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, so that's a great segue to my next question. Uh-oh. Because <laughs> don't say uh oh. You knew it was coming. <laughs> so, you know, what did you dream of becoming when you were a kid? Oh, I was going to be a doctor. I actually was going to be a, a researching doctor. I even thought about being like one of those biohazard level five. Like oh, wow. Now cures like that was my goal. I even started teaching myself Latin. Like I, cause I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to know all the origins and probably create my own cures and anything or, or find something. So I'm gonna need to know the Latin so I can create this word. Like I was just, I was, oh wow, I was in it. Like math and science all throughout school you know uh, wow really yeah I even attended this program in high school uh, my junior year because I didn't know if I wanted to do like animal sciences and I thought it was a cool opportunity because my counselors brought it to me it was the okay. research apprentice program at the University of Illinois so I was a junior it was after I finished junior year I went down to U of I 
for a whole summer and worked in the lab. And I always joke, people be like, what'd you work on? I'm like, my professor, he made me work. Like all my other peers, they was playing games. They was talking about how fun it was. I'm like, I had to read some text and actually work in the laboratory and out there in the field. And we were studying bovine growth hormone. So I was a part of that in the nineties. Wow. <laughs> and you were how old? I was a uh, 16, like 17 wow. years old. And we had to do a, we took classes at U of I. So I took, um, you know, research, how to like research process class, writing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I had to give a presentation. I took Lotus one, two, three. That was back in the days for those. That is back in the day, right? Yeah. That was before Excel. We learned mm -hmm. those formulas back then. Right. And then uh, had to do a presentation on the transparency. That is the most time consuming thing in the world to have to create transparency presentations. Like, so for those of y'all who don't know, PowerPoint back in the day was this clear plastic cellophane thing that you would make copies in a copy machine and you had to make all your slides individual and like hodgepodge glue things together, print, whatever. And you could write and on the, you, you could write, write on, you could write on, on it. You didn't want to write on it because that didn't look professional. You had to have prints that you like somehow <laughs> copied onto there. And then when you and gave your presentation, you stood up at the projector, that big screen in the hall, and you had to slide each one on there. Sure did. Real smooth as you gave <laughs> your presentation. Boy, man. Oh, my goodness. That, Those I'm were the days. Myself. Man, these PowerPoints ain't nothing. <laughs> I know. I'm like, man, man, y'all so these kids be they spoiled. I, I have be looking no at idea. people like, I gotta give a presentation on PowerPoint. You ain't gotta do nothing. Because <laughs> really, because uh, quite frankly, iOS is doing it all for you. It's all being done right there. All you gotta do is like pretty much like will it to do something and then voila, it's done. <laughs> I'm like, how is this, how is this a project? But okay. Yes, exactly. So that's, that was, you know, and this was all preparing, you know, to go to pre-med. And mm -hmm. so when it came to uh, even colleges, you know, a lot of the colleges, they were like, hey, you can get in here for free. All of them were like, like Harvard. I talked to the Harvard lady. She was just like, you can go here. And I was just like, no, I don't do Harvard. Maybe med school. Like, you know, just. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I ended up going to U of I, like full ride pre-med and, um, I got down there and was bored, <laughs> literally. Like the classes didn't challenge me. I think I scared one of my TAs because hmm. I was I intimidated her because I was just like this. I already learned this stuff in high school and I was ready for more, but I felt okay. like they were making me run through the hoops. And that's the thing with college. A lot of times the testing that they give you doesn't necessarily test your aptitude the way they think. And I learned that about tests. Mm -hmm. The classes that challenged me were the classes where I was the only freshman. And I got like B's or A's in those classes. Wow. Okay. Okay. And so, but I ended up going through depression and I didn't know. And so I bombed the last semester and went home just lost and confused. I didn't know what to do with my life. It was like, I still wanted to be a doctor, but... At the same time, I was going through a depression. I didn't realize. Right, right. And you know, it's not something that in the community you really talk about. No. Right? Because to be mentally ill in the 90s, you're you're crazy. 
that's it. And so that is it. That's it. And you don't want to be the crazy one. So what do you do when you're like a 19 year old depressed kid? You start smoking weed and drinking, right? Like you just, you just doing whatever, like, oh, what are my peers doing? I might as well. I'm not doing anything else. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. But I uh, made my way to Boston on like an unemployment check and $500 in my pocket. (laughs) I was 19 on unemployment. Crazy. my friends thought I was crazy they was like you get unemployment but you're 19 I was like you can do this too if you're unfairly fired from a company and you know how to defend yourself mm-hmm. <laughs> in a court of law <laughs> so yeah that yeah that's a crazy thing I always think about the commercials where the like actress or whatever would be like I was 25 when I performed my first role and I'm like I was 19 and I got unemployment like just <laughs> on some hustler moves but that is some hustler moves right just it was a grocery store they fired me unfairly and so I had all the proof I was like listen y'all need to look at your HR practices at 19 (laughs) at 19 and then was like I need to get out of Illinois and went went to Boston Mm -hmm. and got into Northeastern University (laughs) wait what yeah, so I bombed my le- my second semester at U of I. Went to the local junior college for a year, got straight A's. Okay. And mind you, I rarely remember any of it. I think I used to sleep in one of the classes. I had perfected this method of like having my, my baseball cap tilted a certain way so I could just sleep while I was in the front of class. Crazy, but got straight A's. And then got it into Northeastern, but in order to get in the Northeastern co-op program, you had to interview with the chairperson. So me being a smart 19-year-old, you know, depressed student, it was like, let me just go smoke some weed before I go talk to this lady and she gonna love me. And sure enough, she did. And I was like, this is the craziest thing. Like, that's like a whole episode of like some sort of sitcom. And I lived through it. Or a Netflix, like limited series right like <laughs> just crazy holy and cow got in the northeastern and it's so funny because people are like you went to northeastern it's hard to get in there and i'm like it's not that hard if you feel you know relaxed just. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay for all our listeners we're not suggesting that you go somewhere and smoke weed before no. that's not what we're suggesting <laughs> suggested that i'm just talking okay, about because i want to make sure we're saying that <laughs> of my youth and my past transgressions that led me to be the person i am right yes so. and so we so let's <laughs> want to be clear i don't want and please don't send me an email <laughs> or send oh, me my an child email. won't follow this woman no right. so please don't we're this is just people sharing their experience and their this journey my experience and i'm not like that guy who wrote the fake book that oprah came after okay like right. this is real right like this right, I right, right. and mind you i was suffering from a mental issue mm-hmm. that i was mm-hmm. going through denial about right because mm-hmm. i didn't want to be seen as crazy <laughs> right <laughs> um, right 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 and now today right we would have had more resources available to you yeah. and probably would have more resources available to you too Right. They would have gave me one of the 50 million pharmaceutical commercials that are on TV at like 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. that we all look like, do I have restless leg syndrome? Do I have, let me go talk to my doctor. 
<laughs> I'm serious, man. It's, it's like, true. No, I know you're absolutely right. If, if we had that back then, but see, TV used to go off. So we didn't have these problems. Yes, like TV went had... off at a certain hour, right? Yeah. The only thing that was on was like either news or like snow across the screen, right? Exactly. Or something you didn't want to watch. Or you had VHS tapes. You went to Blockbuster or you right. went to your local video store and stuff. Or you were hanging around with friends, right? <laughs> yeah. TV wasn't on, so whatever. Right? A lot of times we listened to the radio. We were listening to the radio. Yes, I was one of those people that used to record because you know Chicago radio is dope. Like it's still dope. I don't care what nobody say. Like we got all the like jams. They got a little bit of something for everybody. <laughs> it's true. And and but you know I'm from New York, so I'm not gonna sit here and say that. Ah. New York is so you know I'm not gonna. Hey, hey. Listen, okay, you know I'm always on. I'm always gonna I, represent. I know you're always gonna be. You know, WBON, Voice of the Negro, first. And still, till this day, let's just say that. Now we got, well, who's on there? Keith Sweat, I think. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> He's on a radio station? He got a show? He got a syndicated show, yes. Oh, I didn't know that. It's crazy. I'm listening to it. It's one of my little things when I pick up my daughter from work. It's okay. on, on the radio. I still listen to radio. We got Sirius I do too. Spotify, Pandora. Like, it's I can't amazing. stand Pandora, though. They, they changed. I was jamming, and it flipped to another song in the middle. I was like, you're over. <laughs> yeah, I don't do Pandora. I do Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, I do a lot of Sirius XM. And, um, and it's crazy, right? Yeah, right, because you don't have to worry about, like, oh, I don't, you know, like, oh, I don't like this You song, had to listen right? to whatever was there. That right, was then you had to listen to it. Now you can be like, okay, let me find another channel, right? Yeah. Let me switch well, let to me my Spotify. Soundtrack. You... Back, man, I swear, like, we grew up, it's a whole different, like, we was just, so I always equated to walking down a cereal aisle in the grocery store, right? So when I was growing up, it was like, maybe the cereal aisle was like a half of a row of, like, the section for, like, breakfast foods, right? Now you got two full aisles, and I'm like, I don't even, I just don't even eat cereal anymore, because I was standing there for 10 hours trying to figure out which one works for me? And then all the labels, sodium. Like once we get into our 40s, you got to worry about all the different elements that could affect your health because every day I feel like I'm hearing about somebody younger than me getting cancer or passing away. And it's like, they didn't tell us about none of this stuff when we hit middle age. They told us, it was like, <laughs> the only thing you think about when you think when I was seven and I saw middle-aged people, I would see them smoking cigarettes, drinking beer at the barbecue, right? Like, and they dancing and they go to work. You didn't hear nothing about all these like health issues. They didn't talk about that back then. Now that's all people talk about. Oh yeah, you heard such and such got cancer or this person had a stroke. You're like, well, how old are they? Are they 30? 30, that's young. <laughs> and now I you just, tell people like, they're like, oh yeah, they dropped in, they're 50. I'm like, 50? 50? <laughs> they're so young they're so young right yes yes we are more obsessed with health now than we ever were well i also think part of it is because we don't want to be on medication for the rest of our lives too that too i do not want to be on nobody's uh high blood pressure diabetic insulin um and i don't know if you noticed but i keep seeing all these these dialysis centers pop up and i'm like Mm -hmm. man I don't know. It's like you see a, in, in Chicago, you'll see a liquor store, you see a dialysis center, and then you see a Popeye's, right? Or mm. a church chicken. And you like, 
if this was Sesame Street and we put the boxes up and said one of these things is doing their own thing, we couldn't even say that because they all tied together. Like they're all tied together. The only thing that would make a difference is if you threw like a a, a Panda Express or so. You like, oh, that's healthy. That don't belong over there. <laughs> what you said are you like this or if you threw a grocery store in there because they would say that doesn't belong why because i live in a food desert do you know what i'm saying so yes, yes. you're like why does family dollar next to the grocery store one of these things can't be next to each other it don't work like and it's that's the world we live in and it's, it's crazy even when i moved back to the midwest from the east coast i noticed that um, I remember when we first drove into town, I'm like, why smell like chicken everywhere? I'm like, do y'all smell chicken? And they were like, no, what are you talking about? But newcomers come and be like, why do it smell like chicken? <laughs> I was yeah, like, you're not going to get that in, you're not going to get that in Boston. No, you don't. In Boston, you get mom and pop, like steak and cheese subs. You got your Caribbean food. Well, if you go to hood Boston, right? Because I met some people in Boston. They're like, oh, where are you? I'm like, Blue Hill Ave. They're like, Louisville, why are you over there? And I'm like, Mattapan is where I chill. I get all my food and groceries over there. They're like, what? But that's the other distinction I found, you know, as growing up and as I've gotten older, my affinity is with the Black community. So mm -hmm. no matter what state I go to, you know, they call it hood or dangerous. But to me, that's that's what I that's what you know that's an extension of what you're familiar right that's what i'm familiar with like when we went to florida and orlando we didn't go hang on disney campus we went back to the haitian area orlando <laughs> and like somebody got stabbed over there oh okay well how much is this for this uh food over here and can i get some some liquor in this bakery that I probably shouldn't be able to buy because they probably don't have a liquor license, right? Like that's that's what I'm a feel. But it's funny, you know, we we talk about the distinction between bougie and ghetto, right? And that in itself is uh, I've had deep discussions with folks about the civil rights movement and integration and segregation and did integration do a disservice mm. to the strength of the black community <laughs> like nope. i'm like that's some deep rhetoric right there like i think we spent like four hours debating back and forth i mean of course we had some liquor so things went a little little sideways but you know those questions come up and you wonder as we live in it now and we see our children when you make certain amounts of money and you hit those thresholds right you start to worry about things like capital gains. You like, they ain't teach us none of this mm -hmm. in high mm -hmm. school. Mm -hmm. Or when you are on, you know, uh, public assistance or any of that, you do not learn about fiscal responsibility, right? You don't learn about yeah. the tax laws and what a capital gain short or long-term is, right? And yep. it's once you reach certain thresholds in your, your financials, you start to be concerned about these things or you become a business owner you start to to learn about like writing things off and what can you expense yeah and, yeah you know at the same time as you become you know wealthier than you may have been your children inherit that wealth right mm -hmm. and that success and they they have doors open that we didn't have right but are we doing them a disservice by providing them with such ease so that when they go mm -hmm. out into the world, they no longer know how to survive 
if something were to set them back because they've been spoon fed yeah. Yeah. or, you know, given the easy button, like their kids who don't know how to make ice because they ain't never had to make it in an ice tray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they push the button. So that's literally what we've done. And that came back to the question about integration, segregation, and, and the migrations of the Black community and profession mm-hmm. moving out of the Black community and taking the wealth with them as well as segregating their kids mm-hmm. from where they came from so it's like we got a new type of segregation and you hear it and you see it in the bougie or bougetto or this aspiration i was watching a music video and i'm like i bet you these girls don't even live in a house like that or own these cars but that's what they aspire to and it's like well why and it's a limited <laughs> level of as you know of aspiring to things right exactly. because you know, the car doesn't last forever. Nope. Right. The house needs maintenance. And the house up. needs maintenance, and you got to pay taxes on it. You pay taxes on it. And yep. um, but even even going back to the car, like, are you leasing it? Are you purchasing it? Right. Were you able to pay for it cash, or did you get it on credit? Right. And, and do you and live in a state where you have to pay taxes on the car every year? That too, and it's. It's funny because it's like, okay, well, if they taught a class in high school that talked about this, let's break down this music video. That would blow their minds. They'd be like, oh, I don't want none of that. You gotta pay what? Capital gains? What is that? Uncle Sam get 30%? <laughs> I'm pretty sure these rappers will start talking about that. Like, hey man, did you know after you make 150 grand and you invest in anything, you got something called uh, capital gains and you paying a 30% and then there's an additional four or eight. Mm-hmm. They're like, whoa, man, you talking some things that I don't know what that is. And it's like a lot of them don't. So they get this money and then the accountant comes to them. It's like, yeah. It's like that that episode of uh, the Cosby show where like Theo and Bill and he's like, he said, you want a girlfriend? He took all his money. So think of Uncle Sam as your girlfriend he taking all your money. <laughs> And you don't even get to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or you don't get to see this. Person. You don't get right at all. Nothing. And you nope. know, and, and then also understanding like contract law, right? You know, you want to mm-hmm. be, you want to be a star. You want to be, you know, an athlete. You sign these contracts, but you don't understand like what it means. Reading. We don't teach. We don't teach. Comp- Imagine if we started throwing out contracts to kids when they was young. Yeah. If we don't sign the contract. They gonna be like, what? So we're going to have a contractual relationship that you need to do chores. And I will provide you with something called an allowance. But I don't like the word allowance because I allow you to live in my house. So I'm going to change that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, you know, and that's the thing is we don't really, in the Black community, we don't teach our kids this, you know, and, and if you don't learn it as a child and you grow up, and you do go to college, you you go through all the, the things, and then you get to that point where you have to self-teach yourself some of these theories and mm-hmm. ideas because you weren't taught it when you were young. You weren't taught business unless you were fortunate to have families who were in business, mm-hmm. right? Well, and, and I think part of it is actually having that conversation with your kids, right? So yeah. understanding the value in always talking to your kids. So it's not like just telling them what to do but saying, okay, this is the reason, like we, this is how our household operates. This is how we pay these bills, right? Yep. This is what, this is what goes into paying your tuition or this is what goes into us putting food on the table every day. Um, or the reason why I'm saying like, no, you can't go to X 
is because we have these other things that we have to manage yep. to keep food on the table. Yes. And we, we don't have those discussions with yeah. kids. And, and so it's, it's just I, those things. Yeah. 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 And I, I find that, you know, that we've done that with my son because it's just really important to him. And it's important to us that he understands, like, I'm not just saying no, because I'm trying to be a hard ass. I'm saying no, because I've got, got stuff to do, right? So that but way see, you can have the, us of the pleasures. But that's the difference is that a lot of parents, even when we talk about parenting, I was raised with, my mama wasn't my friend. She was my mama. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. Nowadays, I feel like our generation is like, oh, I'm, I'm friends with her. But it's like, mm, there's a boundary that they can't cross. You know, your children should be able to come and talk to you about anything. They should be able to like have that that open dialogue available. But also as a parent, it's our duty to provide knowledge capital to our children. Mm -hmm. So that way, when they go out, that investment of knowledge that we have inputted into them has gained interest mm-hmm. and that interest mm-hmm. in how mm-hmm. they live their lives as dutiful citizens and responsible adults. And it's a lot of, I keep saying common sense is that disease that people don't want to catch. And they just, you know, a lot of it is common sense, but for some reason we got to go to these journals and these books on parenting when a lot of the things and I think that was on the panel that we had where it was like all you have you already need mm-hmm, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty much it but I don't know it's interesting like I I have that with my kids I have that discussion right we talk about these things and Anise brought something up she said I don't I don't get why I can't go to the mall with such and such and she's like but you know, and her mom's like, because I said so. She's like, well, because I said so doesn't answer my question. I said, well, I said, let me break out what because I said so means. Because I said so is this gut saying that we use because in that moment, we're imagining the 50 million variables and situations that could happen when you go to the mall. You could get in a car accident. This girl could lead you astray. You could get kidnapped. Young black girls get kidnapped, kidnapped all every the time, day. and nobody freaking cares. Nobody and cares. I yeah. That it because I said so could be a, a conduit from the news, you know, episode I saw where I saw ten black girls were missing in the area, but you didn't know that because you didn't mm-hmm. watch. Because I said so could equate to all the other things that could happen. The mall could catch fire because I saw something two weeks ago and maybe it's in my head, right? Or Mm -hmm. anything. And that's what because I said so means. And she goes- And it could also mean something positive. It could also mean something positive. It could mean that I want to spend some extra time with you. That too. Because I said so- is because I want to spend time with you and I don't want you to go, uh, I spent time with mommy already, right? Like, <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing, like, um, just having that discussion <clears throat> and, and allowing her the ability to be able to say, well, I just want an explanation for why I just have to hear it because I said so. And I go, well, next time your mom says, because I said so, I want you to think about the 10, 20 different things I just said and, and take put yourself mm-hmm. in her shoes because one day you will be in her shoes and then you mm-hmm. know that's why she always said because mm-hmm. I said so <laughs> and some days and someday you will watch the news and say oh my gosh like I just was over there yesterday right and this yes. happened there right it could have yes. been me 
right? Because or then me, yes. Um, you know, because sometimes we really are just a, a stone's throw away from things that could have happened, and we're just not even aware of the protection that's over that's, all the time that is covered of us, right? That's covered over us. Um, so I think that I don't know. I for me, it feels like that saying that you have um, because we're teaching them or when we teach our kids or when we're teaching even our peers, right? Or other people's children, right? Whether it be a God kids or nieces and nephews, it's like, we're trying to encourage you to be that leader as opposed to being that follower. So you don't have to go somewhere just because That's everybody else is going, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that you're, why is it that you're going? Why is it that you want to go, right? Is there more things that you could be, something different that you could be doing? Um, it's yeah. all in critical thinking we're, we're mm-hmm. that's, that's what's been lost um for a lot of the generations i feel like the critical thinking and consequences but isn't right? it amazing though that even in our own generation that there's a lack of critical thinking i notice yeah. i notice that all the time all the time and i notice it because if we look at society today it's like okay for instance critical thinking would tell you that you know i don't know um wearing a mask here we go (laughs) (laughs) and i'm not saying that negatively either i'm just saying here we go but it's just like okay let's critically think about this right i have so i have a lot of friends that i was in high school with and i'm still friends with them on facebook and i listen or I see some of the rhetoric that they spread. And I'm like, okay, well, here's something we learned in high school, fact-checking. Because before there was a Wikipedia, we used to have to go and validate our sources, right? <laughs> and that's the that was like something you would get in trouble for if you came up with a primary resource, like you came over and said, I got it from this ABC elementary dictionary, right? Versus this encyclopedia that's mm-hmm. been validated by these peer reviewed, whatever, right? And and it's like with the, the Facebook and all the like, you know, misinformation that's yeah, spread. Yeah. I feel like not just, not just our generation, all the generations are suffering because like my mother, she says all the time, she go, well, they said, and I always say, well, who is, who is they? the they? Who is they? And she goes, the news. And I'm like, the news journalism is not Dan Rathers like it used to be. Okay. Even Dan Rathers was like, the news is not what we had to do. We had to mm-hmm. verify and validate. I went on to like three major brand networks and read like 250 word blog article news updates and it was driving me nuts because they spelled the most basic words wrong but there was no comma before the but like grammatical errors that we used to get red marks on our paper for in like fourth grade and it's like i am going nuts from seeing this because it's wrong and yet journalism has lost that distinction that it had where i can believe you Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. where the misinformation has become so prevalent because I can't trust the journalist because you can't even write the paper right. You can't even do any grammar correctly. And yet you want me to believe you over this 
whack job who probably wrote something, but because he wrote it nicer, I'm gonna believe him because I'm like, oh, look, his grammar looked nice. And that's gonna be my, my right, body. Right, 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 right. right. And that's, that's how I start to think about when, when people are like, well, this person is intelligent. And I don't understand how they could believe this. And it's like, well, maybe they saw that this person presented their uh, theory in a better manner yeah. than the person who was yeah. supposed to know how to present. Right, exactly. Maybe and that's one, right maybe one person's it. PowerPoint was better than the other PowerPoint, right? Oh, Lord. The PowerPoint or even the way they spoke in their mm-hmm. presence. And then, you know, it doesn't take much for people to believe anything if you have enough passion when you give it. Because yeah. I feel like today's newscasters versus back in the day, they don't really put that umph into it. Like, I'm like, oh, I believe this dude because he's telling the news objectively. This is what happened, right? I'm not putting my opinion in there. <laughs> nowadays everybody got an opinion which is you know it's interesting to us most but the misinformation and the critical thinking is it's a struggle and it's been a detriment to our our communities but I also mm-hmm. feel as if there is a level of change because people want something better for themselves yes and yes. I'm really grateful to see that because particularly in um like our current college students, yes, you know, look at the students at Howard because they know they deserve something better. Yep. And so they're protesting so that way they can have reasonable living conditions. They have to be the best, but they want reasonable. And living among mold is not reasonable, right? And so they're taking that step to say, I want to do something differently. I want something, I deserve something better. True. But at the same time, let me play devil's advocate. Okay. Don't you feel like today's protest is no different from the 90s lawsuits that was everywhere, right? No, I don't, I, yeah, I, I don't think there's any difference in that. I don't. Because everybody protesting. And I mean, the whole like, everybody was like, Black Lives Matter. And I'm like, it's just a, a, a new label mm-hmm. on an old idea that has been around since post- uh reconstruction right i mean freaking <laughs> frederick Douglass and ida b wells was asking for the same thing they were like can the negro not be seen as an american citizen and still we in 2021 talking about can the negro not be seen as an american citizen and at the end of the day, like, I, I, I know I have white friends out there and they're like, but, you know, all lives matter and police matter. And I'm like, that's not what this is about. It's not about, it's not about that. It's about the fact that in 2021, we still talk about the first black person did something. Let's think about that. Why wasn't I able to do it in 1840 if I was freed from slavery? Mm-hmm. Or 18, well, they say 18, 18, 16. Why wasn't I able to do it 18, 16? Why wasn't mm-hmm. I able to do it then, right? Why, why wasn't are we still voting for voting rights? Why am I still fighting to be able to vote, right? Why am I still fighting to be able to sit in a classroom or sit in a room or have a seat at the table? When I say a seat, not the booster seat, not the seat where I just bobble my head and my name is on there because mm-hmm. I have a black face or a black name, mm-hmm. but because I have ideas in my head and they're not empty, right? Like right. That's- and because my education is equally, if not better than yours, right? And we're not yeah. talking about the seats that 
um, that you pulled in from another office because you forgot to have a seat for me. We're not talking, right? We're not talking about the education that I have at the same university that people who are higher up than me had, but they cheated the whole way and I didn't. Let's talk about that because it came out as a scandal and then it disappeared, right? How they're getting the kids into the school and paying for it. And yet, you know, there you don't hear anything else about it. Hard. You don't hear nothing else about it because it got swept under the rug. And that's that's the that's the thing. Like, you know, we call it Black Lives Matter now, it's painted on streets, but back then it was just like it was civil rights in the 60s. Mm-hmm. It was the Negro as an American. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 1890s, 18 after, you know, Civil War. And even before that, it was like, can the Negro just be seen as a human being? Because obviously not, if you feel the need to be threatened by me, I'm an animal. If you're threatened by me, I am not a human. I'm an animal. I'm not your mm-hmm. peer. And that right there is, is its own distinction. Right. No, because they're like, oh, Here's my, I always wonder this. When you go, when you go to a shooting range, you aim at the target and the target is always a kill shot. Got it. If you're, if you're, if you're protect and serve, why are you trying to kill me? Yes. <laughs> yes. Right. And this is common why? sense. This is common sense. It is more like a more akin to you're hunting me than you're protecting me right? If you were protecting me, you would be looking to disable. Yeah. And, and these are fundamentals that they don't talk about. And, and it's, and you know, for me, it's always, but if you bring that up, it's you're aggressive and you're threatening. It's like, no, I'm saying it very nicely. Like, why is it a kill shot to the head and to the heart when you should be trying to hit me in my shoulders, my wrist, my knees, my ankle, you should be trying to disable me, right. not kill me. And then the second part is, why is it your gut reaction to kill me when my skin is different from yours? Because I'm not seen as a human. I'm seen as a threat and an animal. So what Less do animals than. do That's right. when they're scared? There's the fear, right? So of course I'm afraid. So I'm afraid for not myself, but what do, what do bears, mother bears do to their cubs when people are threatening their cubs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They attack. You become aggressive. You make me the animal that you portray me to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's sad. And that's what I see when I look at all of this. And it, it breaks my heart because, you know, if I have a voice, I'm going to say it. And that's why I was like, I'm just going to speak it because how can you know the truth if nobody says it? How can you understand if I don't give you an image and a portrayal where my words speak louder than the images you see? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and that's it. You know, how do I paint this picture for you to know that we are not animals, we are not aggressors, you know, we we are people. See me as a person. And then allow me to have the same um the same rights, basic human rights <laughs> to exist and enjoy life mm-hmm. like and breathe. Just, man, I know I went deep on that, but no, you're nuts, man. Just seeing that. It's like, yeah. no, the here's the thing. If our children knew our history, mm-hmm. they would be better equipped 
to be able to have the discourse mm -hmm. that is needed so that any of these naysayers who come out there with the false rhetoric is destroyed implicitly with fundamental statements as if I'm a bear, a mama bear defending my cubs. <laughs> Just, you know, they mm -hmm. mind you, when they see them up and, oh, the mama bear, oh, the dog and the market. So if the dog bark at the bear, you understand the bear is scared for her children. So you understand right. the bear is on the defensive. So why do you not see that when you pull me over in the car, my kids are in the backseat? <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I, I, you know, I agree. You know, and, I agree. But that, but that imagery. And I get it. Yeah, the image, right. Shakes someone because the same way you saw that dog attacking that mama bear with her cubs is the same way we see repeatedly on tv and youtube when uh, a man is in the car with his kids and being shot at by the police you tell me and babies in the back seat <laughs> babies in the back seat let's think about that but you would defend that bear right but you won't defend this human because at the end of the day we are human and we do have those animals mm -hmm. mm -hmm. so <laughs> Tell me, because that in and of itself is a lot of food for thought, right? So I guess, so I think there's a two-part question here. So mm -hmm. what inspires you and what is the inspiration that you'd like to leave for someone who's following your footsteps? So what would be your legacy? Oh, man. <laughs> what inspires me <sighs> you know what it, the, the the inspirations for me is always when I see the smile on a child's face because the fact that that child has the freedom and ability to be able to smile means that we still did something right right it ain't perfect but wherever we live at and you think about it, there's areas in this world where children don't get that freedom to smile. Mm -hmm. And I live in a country where that's possible. So that does inspire me, despite all the issues, the politics, the racism, the culturalism, the, the, the different dynamics. At the end of the day, if you walk down your street and you see that kids can still laugh and joy, and that don't make your heart sing, I just, I don't know what does. And that, that is inspiring me. Like, how do you make that happen? Mm -hmm. How do you help support that where a mom can go to work and be home so her kid could go out and smile and be free to smile and enjoy their childhood. Mm -hmm. Enjoy their childhood. Exactly. Yeah. Be a child. Right. And that's the thing, you know, at the end of the day, we procreate and many people don't, but at the same time, if you have the ability to be able to be free enough where you can have a smile on your face and enjoy life, even for that five minutes, mm -hmm. and appreciate it. That's deep. Like, you know, I'm, I'm thankful and I feel blessed that I get to wake up in the morning. And I don't think people appreciate that every day. Somebody dying every mm -hmm. minute. Somebody dying. I was gonna say every minute. We only get one life. What you going to do with it? So, you know, for me, it's if I could put a smile on somebody's face, if I could make somebody's life that much better, where they not drowning in tears, stress, 
you know, if I could have a conversation with them where that conversation lightened their mood or made their day better, that's my legacy. Where it was like, I made it happen for somebody where they felt happy to be alive in a moment that I spent with them. That was our Mm -hmm. Kairos. That moment, that time where they got to experience joy. Because to not have any joy in your life, that is the true slavery if you think about it, where your mind and your body and everything is at such a point where you can't experience any type of freedom to smile, laugh, or, or just be happy. Or rest. Or rest and be at peace and, and, and be appreciative. And man, that's not really a life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, and then, you know, for me, impact, you know, do for others. I swear, yeah. you give out a you give out a good vibe to one person. Mm. Just do it once a week. Yeah, face with somebody, make them laugh, send a gift, watch somebody's kid, hold somebody's bag, right? Because they got baggage, something. It, even if it's torturing you, just know that you gave that person some sort of happiness. Right. And you never know how they might need it that day. Right. Exactly. You never um, know. Yeah. You, you never just know. never know. You never know. And then I, I, I literally had a woman write me a letter, hmm. but I made her laugh and it made her, it was the first time she laughed since her mother passed. Hmm. And in that moment, in that day, I made her day. And it made me cry. I was like, dang, it's deep. Like this woman wrote me an email. Yeah. Like, and she took the time to do that, right? Because it was yep. so impactful to her. It meant so much to her. Yes. Yeah. So, I live for them type of letters because it, it means that, you know, my life on this planet means something. Yeah. 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 Right. It does. And you don't even realize it. Nope. You don't. You have no idea. Right. So it's just sometimes it's, it's a simple, kind acts. How can I tell be- you? Yeah. I'll tell you, after my father left, um, I can't tell you how much it, like those simple, small acts of people just checking in, right? Yeah. And it really wasn't about them calling or, you know, sending a card necessarily, but it was like after, like several months later. Yep. Yep. That's it. That means so much. It's, it's it funny because I found my tribe, like, <laughs> via Salesforce. And I mean, like, we travel together and... Like a couple of us traveled to DC just to be with the others and just mm. being there in that moment to just sit there and just be together. It means a lot just to have someone that you could just be comfortable and be silent and be together yeah. and just vibe. That go a long way. So, you know, enjoy life and then find somebody to enjoy it with. Mm-hmm. And how to spread it, you know, how to spread the good, good thoughts, good vibes. How to spread that good vibe. You know, we got to stop, you know, the, we, we always pushing at each other. We always judgments. I'm, I'm guilty too. I have my petty moments. I was telling somebody else, <laughs> petty check. I'd be like, Hey, let me do a petty check. I don't know what the, what such and such been in their shoes and what they gone through and what hurdles they've been through that led them to behave and respond and react the way that they did mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's hard <laughs> yeah, it's not easy out here it isn't and i think the world wants you to be like happy all the time right it wants you to be in a good mood all the time 
Um, and, and it's just not realistic and it's not easy. It's just not. Nope. You got yourself, um, you can't be happy all the time. I ain't happy all the time. I know. And it's just, and it's just people have a bad day. Yep. People are entitled to having a bad day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when people say, oh, don't cry, <clears throat> don't be upset, Rebe, don't be upset, Vera, it's because it's about their comfort level. It's not about <laughs> your comfort level. It's because they don't know how to be comfortable with you not being in that, in that space. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be upset. I don't care. That's, that's the other thing I, I, an older woman said to me one time. She was in the, I was a cashier at JCPenney. She had been like, hey, what she, haven't you done though? Seriously. No, for real. I, my mama was like, you sure you not like, you, you don't have every job, every car. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I just, you know, I, I was, I was taught from my parents about work ethic. I was taught mm-hmm. from my grandparents. You always have a job right or you always do something and, and that's the thing people look at me and they're like girl you always doing something I'm like but how can you not do something when we have these lives we've been blessed with yes. I have hands and fingers eyes ears nose legs that function I have function. a great function right. it's full capacity I need to take advantage because there's people out there that don't have that and they would they would go through hoops to be where I'm at and so I just, I just I'm appreciative and I take advantage of it and I try to do more with what I can because I don't know if tomorrow will be here for me. <laughs> it's like that's it. So, but man, I know yeah, the, the JC Penny, the woman, she told me, I'm a swear, I'm 79 years old. I don't live this long. I can say what I want. And I was like, why you gotta be 79 to say what you want? It was like mm. an why I got to wait till I'm 79 to say what I want when I've been taught to use this language the way I have. So I'm going to just say it and I speak from the heart. And I, I literally use this phrase that I ain't used since I was like young, but my word is my bond. That's mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's it. But I don't know. It's been interesting. An interesting uh, 2020. I'm still waiting on the Jetsons. I ain't got my hover car. They gave us Teslas, but that ain't no hover car from the Jetsons. I need my Rosie the robot. I press the button. They gave us the iRobot and whatever, the vacuum, but that ain't Rosie the robot. I need to press that button. We need to evolve. I need these kids to learn how to do tech and build me a Rosie the robot to clean my house. (laughs) Yeah, I need it to be like Alexa and Rosie the robot like combined. That's what I need. Yes. And exactly. I robot all, all in one. That's what I need. All in one. Vacuum, sweep, polish, cook my meals. I need it. I need it all, right? <laughs> we I definitely need- have to I definitely have to have you back on because I feel like we could talk about a ton of stuff like all the time. Yeah, you have to do a part two. I don't understand what's happening. Well, I know. Don't say that. Don't say no because you know we get you back anyway. We'll see what kind of review we get from this because you know I'm gonna post it in my channels on the Twitter. Okay, so first of all, like, do I care about the reviews? No, I don't care what they say about us, right? Because I want to have you back. So that's important to me. That's what's up. Hey, look, we're gonna start some trouble. (laughs) I call it. I call it sisters of disruption. That's what I call. Oh, I like it. Yeah, we sister, we disrupt everything. When you when you got a billionaire looking over at you saying they go trouble, you know you succeeded. <laughs> right. Like, if somebody tells me like, oh, I'm not really fond of her, like, oh, I'm so glad. It must be I'm doing something right. 
I'm serious. I'm like, good. And, and here's the thing. I probably, I might be upset if I think you do like me. Listen, I, I really, it's so funny. Cause I, I tell people, I'm like, I really don't care. It's just, <laughs> it's like, I care about the world. I care about like, you know, the climate change and all of that, but yeah, I care about doing good, right? Yeah. Doing good. I care about that. Exactly. But I don't, but I'm, I don't want to care about foolishness when it can be prevented. Thank you. Yes. Right. So like, what is, what is our, like, what is the end game, right? What is our impact going to be? Because if it's not something that I feel is going to be beneficial to us, then I don't think we should be doing it. But what's your return on impact? That's the real ROI. Mm-hmm. It's, that's that's how I looked at it. I was like, it's not about return on investment. It's the return on oh, impact. impact. Oh, I love that. What is oh. your impact in the world today to create your legacy? That's what matters. Okay, I just wrote that down. So hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> I've been quite, listen, I've been throwing it out there. That to me, I I'm love it. To change that vocabulary. You want to be a change maker? What's your return on impact? That's it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. So we are committing to a part two. Oh, <laughs> whatever you want, Vera, I got you. So that's all you need to know. You want me on again to just jabber mouth? Girl, you ain't got to tell me twice. Bring it on. <laughs> no, because I really, uh, because I really wanted to talk about the sales force and oh, how, yeah. you know, how more people of color, how more the people that look like you and me can get into force, it. The cult of Salesforce, it literally is like a cult. I was, I'm Salesforce famous. I don't know if you knew. I do know that. <laughs> I do know that. And I just feel like, but I didn't want to change the conversation because I really like the direction that it was going. And so I yeah. feel like, okay, but there's always a part two. <laughs> and so because there's a part two, yeah. I can always have you back and we can talk about that. But I just think that people, again, the reason why I do this podcast is because I think it's important to celebrate good people and good conversation. And you don't and, and you don't disrupt good conversation. You just don't do it. It's, don't. it's it's in very poor form if you do. Girl, you need to have a show with like the chairs and the coffee table. Like, forget the red table. Let's sit at the black table and get it going. Right? Like, there's everything and anything to come out. <laughs> yeah, anything and everything. You can talk about whatever, and we just keep changing the topic. It's kind of like almost like just- a spin the bottle, almost right. <laughs> But that's that's discourse at its at its mm-hmm. true um, essentials, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's it's what's the current events, how we see it in our perspective, and we share that imagery with others. Mm-hmm. What what return on impact are we gonna get from the words that were thrown out there into the universe? <laughs> yeah. What are we getting, right? And and how are we? How do we value what we're what we get from it as well, too? Oh, definitely. I, our words are, are powerful. Mm -hmm. Every word that comes out your mouth that you put out into the universe has an effect, cause and effect at its most basic infrastructure. Mm -hmm. What you say, how you say it, and when you Mm -hmm. say it. Kairos, that moment. This is why, you know, they always say, uh, especially when we see those pivotal uh, history, historical events, and they say it was in that moment, that time where those words were said that they meant the most. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you never know. <laughs> you never know. You don't. 
you don't know. And I think that that's okay. Yeah. I think that's okay because it doesn't mean that just because you don't know, it doesn't mean that it's not helping someone. It just means that in that moment, right then and there, that you, um, that you don't know it. And you, you also don't, don't, again, you don't know how it may not come back to you, but it also, but it may come back to somebody else that you love. Yes. It comes back to somebody you love and even someone you don't love. That moment could mean the world to them mm-hmm. and they will never tell. Cause a lot of times we don't tell, we don't say, we don't share. But in that moment, that present time where you said something, that you know, it, it made me like reflect on a lot. I'm like, dang, that's that's why I say words are so powerful because you don't know like how you affected somebody, right? Yeah, yeah, it really is. So no, nah, but hey, you know, I'm gonna come back for part two. Do what it do. <laughs> <laughs> yep, you can bring you can bring a kid with you. You can bring your new dog with you. You can bring we gotta talk about we gotta talk about Salesforce and how like the other techs call us the cult. They're like, you're just CRM, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> all the blue and puppets and everything. They like what you got? Animals and stuffies, yes, stickers. Girl, it's like it's like Lula Rich. We need to do a a documentary on Salesforce for real. Yes, yeah, that that documentary. Well, I was watching it and they were talking about cult, and I'm like, these are all the things that's going on in Salesforce, but it's not bad because it's actually a tool that we use. But I do be pouring out that blue Kool Aid because it's an opportunity. But as long as you're not wearing ugly pants, girl, I got a onesie. I don't even want to talk about it. It got my name on it, like. <laughs> 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 they actually have a nickname for me in the community it's just really they call me five star Reby. i was just like you know what i feel uh-uh. character like <laughs> like and that's not what i am i'm like i'm not your token and i'm not a character i'm sorry <laughs> i can't with you i'm not going to with you not today anyway we'll save, it. save it for the next one i'm gonna save it for the next one i'm gonna save it like lula rich salesforce what is going on like now i'm gonna get an email from a lawyer she's gonna call me be like Ruby, what did you do i'm like oh, well, i'm sorry <laughs> don't put that into the atmosphere we don't want them calling us they always call me i don't care they know i'll be <laughs> you saw my face you saw my face just now your face but you know what i gotta say i do love i I love the company i love the people that work there and so you know if anything my candor it it has a reason okay fair they know that because i i do it in good fun right but at the same time i appreciate all the benefits that's why i even teach the classes right so oh wait you're teaching the classes too yeah city colleges of chicago i'm a a faculty instructor in a professional education so we teach a free class. <laughs> okay, I see you. All right, we're gonna have to stop that part because see now this is not helping me. You like, girl, you doing? Listen, I, we can talk about all things Salesforce the next one. This one was more like. This is more about getting to know Reby. This is more more about getting to know Reby, right? Yeah, That's what this, this was is, today. I gave you more layers than I revealed yes. in the spots. So let's put yeah, it and that's good because it's again, it was just two friends having a good conversation. That's really what it was about, right? And I want to get people to know who exactly you are that I have fallen in love with. uh, That's just a piece. They don't even know. I know, I know. (laughs) 
I know. Just a piece. I know, I know, but that's okay. It's all good. It's all, but we're here, we're here, we are today. And we know that there's another, going to be another part, maybe a part two, maybe even a part three, but that's great. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'll be a regular guest. I know, guest. you could be a regular guest. Next every thing quarter. you know, I'm going to be Ed McMahon to your like Johnny I know, Carson. I know. So you could have <laughs> like every quarter every time i turn around that chick is on here that's okay though that is okay if other guests if other podcasts can bring guests back several multiple times you can be here look it's yours that's right that's right it is mine i appreciate you for like you know helping me shed more of my narrative right because my narrative changes based on how old i get every year is different just like a good book you know it's a different chapter that's right it is it <laughs> is with a different narrator that's right you, 2020 was a narrator for all of us <laughs> that's right absolutely and it's a good thing it's a good mm-hmm. thing and like i said it's always a good thing to know good people and so that's here we are t- together today and so i definitely want to say thank you for not only sharing your passion and your story but i also want to thank you for sharing space with me today because it really does mean the world to me. And, um, and, and to our guests, you know, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate you joining us. Um, be sure to follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you have ideas for an episode, be sure to hit me, hit, hit me up at nogoodpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. You can listen to us on Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Audible, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. So until next time, I'm your host, Vera Smith-Winfrey. And remember, it's always good to know good people. Take care, everybody. The No Good People podcast is co-produced by Kennedy Gale Productions and So Very Vera Productions. Music produced by Trevor Pitts of Pitts Campaign Music. The No Good People podcast can be streamed through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other selected streaming services.